2: Thanks for tuning in to Americana Music Profiles. It's Season 3, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine in print and americanamusicmagazine.com online. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's join in on another great conversation with one of the Americana Music Industry's super talented artists. New York City-based band banjo Nickaroo and Western Skutches are out with their new CD, very next thing. Today, we talk with Nick Russo, founder and leader of the band. Well, hi, Nick. Welcome to the program today.
3: Hi, Greg. Thanks so much for having me on. We really appreciate it.
2: Absolutely. It's it's good to talk to you. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself. We've got a couple things we want to talk about today. Obviously, the, the album that you've got out and your band. Uh, give me some background information on yourself and how you get started in music.
3: Sure. Well, uh, I come from a musical family. My dad's Rich Russo was um, in the 1960s a heavy metal band called The Scarecrow, and they were pre-Kiss. They had the same <laughs> manager as Kiss with the oh, face cool. makeup. They were yeah, yeah, were a rock trio, and they were on Columbia Records and uh, had a couple hits. And they toured opening for Sly and the Family Stone. Oh, really, awesome! But he, my dad played for Chuck Berry, so as a kid, I played drums actually on some of his sessions. Not with, that was after that band, but he also had a music studio in the basement of my family, my the house I grew up in. Yeah. <laughs> So that was cool. I got to play drums, and uh, he also produced some other bands and got started really early. And then my Uncle Mike, who's his brother, is an amazing guitar player and into Jimi Hendrix and Johnny Winter, so I came up with a lot of blues. Oh, and, yeah. and, and coincidentally, my uncle on my mom's side, my mom's brother, was an amazing singer-songwriter. He unfortunately passed away at an early age from cancer, but an uh, incredible influence on mm-hmm. me. sounded like a, um, like a white version of Richie Haven okay. and Joe Cocker <laughs> put together, yeah. you
2: know. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. So you you've been around it f- for a long time and um at 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 what point in all of that it, did you ever have this epiphany that hey, this this is this is going to be me. I, you know, I you kind of like you, you know that this is the path you're going to take.
3: Yeah, it's a great question. I was always um brought up with the notion to go to school and get a masters and go into something more stable.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I was
3: actually always under the notion of going to science. I, I My uncle Mike, the same uncle that plays uh, guitar, also was a scientist so I loved astronomy and I basically went, I did my first degree in science but halfway through I had a, a friend that I met um, through actually one of my first jazz guitar lessons because I was self-taught for many years. My dad mm-hmm. taught me and then I started taking lessons much later and I was just so inspired by my teacher David Belser, my first teacher, and uh, a friend of ours, uh, one of these other students who whose mom was a music teacher, and hmm. hanging around them, him and his mom, and doing gigs with him, my first uh, some of my first professional jazz gigs. I was uh, realized that you could do this for a living. And yeah. then um, another thing that really changed my life is that I took a 20th century classical music course at Stony Brook University when I was working on my science degree. And when I heard Stravinsky and Bela Bartok, I heard, you know, Stravinsky's Rite of Spring, I heard Bela Bartok, Bartok, the string quartets, Uh and Beethoven, I I was immediately drawn. I said, I have to, um, I have to make this full-time. And then lastly, unfortunately, my my grandfather, actually another Nick Russo that coincidentally played with Red Nichols and his Five Pennies, and Spike uh, Jones, (laughs) probably in the 1920s or 30s, Um he passed away a cancer and I was very close to him like we used to joke around we had like a, a lot of yeah. comedy in my family too a big Richard Pryor fans and okay. Saturday Night Live fans so a lot of joking around and and so when he passed away I realized well life is short at that point I was practicing a lot of Bach and I was working on uh 2000 and uh, sorry the 1006 the Bach work 1006 which is the um the lute suite for guitar and I was okay. practicing that prelude that opening movement and mm-hmm. um I was like, you know what, I just need to do this full-time. And at, at that point, I was pre-med at Stony Brook, and I immediately said, you know, I'll finish the science degree, but I'm going to do a double major. And then from there, um, I finished the science degree um, and then took two years off, traveled, and then did a master's at Iron Copeland School of Music and studied with uh, Jimmy Heath and the late great um, Sir Roland Hannah. So okay. uh, and then I was just, that's it. I was in it for, yeah. Yeah. Well, for full-time. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, it's... Uh... A long way from uh, Bach to uh, to Americana roots, Western uh, swing. How how did that happen for you?
3: I guess music's always music, and I, I grew up with a lot of blues: Jimmy Reed and Jimi yeah. Hendrix and John Lee Hooker, Muddy Waters, Johnny Winter, and um, and also uh, the kind of the nineteen sixties fusion with Robin Trower and Eric Clapton. Oh yeah, sure. So I grew up with all that. But when i started getting into guitar i was really studying classical and jazz and then i became a full-time jazz guitarist and so i kind of left those roots um didn't leave them but i i was so busy with gigs i wound up playing with jimmy mcgriff and touring with him and i got to do two gigs with george Benson. uh later i got to play one gig um where i did a little duo with paul mccartney at mm-hmm. gwyneth patros house so i had like this amazing and that was with a jazz. these were all with jazz groups
0: um, oh cool okay
3: I played on the organ scene in Harlem, so I played with Jimmy Preacher-Robbins, that's around the time that I got the gig with Jimmy McGriff, and
0: yeah.
3: so uh, I was just immersed in it, and just, it just so so much involved in really studying jazz guitar that I was working on, Wayne Shorter, Joe Henderson, and all those complicated, involved tunes, and then on top of that, getting hired by a lot of vocalists mm-hmm. and horn players that needed me to play in any key,
0: okay. so it just
3: required so much training that I didn't, like, go practice blues or roots, so one- Banjo, Nickaroo, and Western scotches, the incarnation of that came out of one gig. We got called for a festival in Brooklyn basically put the band together for that festival. And my wife, Fatina Hershey, knows a lot of country tunes. And so we just played just root, um, roots, countries, maybe like with a couple originals. But that's just kind of returning to our roots. The only thing I have to say is that um, in terms of the banjo, which is probably a separate question, I uh, learned the banjo prior to that, um, getting a gig in Japan with a jazz group. So wow. I tenor <laughs> banjo, and then later I played with Vince Stradano and the Nighthawks for many years. It, he actually put me in a movie, um, a Sam San Mendes film called The Way We Go. Yeah, and that was really getting my um, my training on tenor banjo because that's a different tuning than guitar. Okay, but five string, I'm completely self taught. I learned it <laughs> as a joke song for our wedding called "I'm Getting Married," and we just released it on this. Previous, uh, the recent CD, very next thing, and that's actually getting a lot of hits. Like that song, I'm getting married. is a true story, and it's the one song that I sing on the album. Bettina sings as well, and it's the story of how we met. So, yeah, the long answer to your question is like I'm just returning to my roots, but really learning five string banjo is um, very challenging, especially being a guitarist and a tenor banjo yeah. player.
2: Well, one of my questions was was going to be, and I think you just answered it. Was you know where did this Sound come from because it's uh, it clearly fits under the Americana umbrella, but I'm not I'm not sure you could put any other label on it than that. But but after hearing your your influences and and everywhere you've been with with your instrumentation and the different folks you've played with, I think that kind of pretty much explains the uh, the the eclecticness of the sound that you have with with your current band, the Western Scootches.
3: Yeah, I think it happens naturally, too, with the members of the band, the core members, with especially with Dr. David Pleasant and, and Miles Griffith. I, I call those guys like brothers from another, and then, you know they're like the uncle to our kids.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. The
3: uncles to our kids. We know them so long. And the cool thing about this is that Miles and I, Miles Griffith and I both play in David's band, uh, which is a Gola Geechee influence band with a lot of styles. He was percussionist with Paul Simon and... Uh, choreographed and danced with Urban Bushwomen and played with Cecil Taylor. And then Miles Griffith, David and I both played with Miles Griffith, which is a little bit more on the jazz side. His, his band is called New Ting. So we have this special relationship where we play in each other's bands. Yeah, that's the that's cool. Um, You know, on a scene like New York City, where you get hired as a sideman. So to answer your question, when that when we play together, we're so free. We can go anywhere. Like, those guys can hear anything. Miles does perfect pitch. Um, sometimes that perfect pitch depending on, like, you know, situations sometimes. So we just hear harmony very, yeah. very quickly. And um, so I we come from so many different backgrounds. Like Miles, his aunt is Calypso Rose, a very famous Calypso singer. So he brings that element. And Miles play with man, everyone, uh, including Wynton Marcellus. And he also played with Paul Simon. And then David Pleasant brings this Gullah Geechee influence to the band. So basically, probably, perhaps the only uh, folk Americana band fusion, fusion Gullah Geechee, culture rhythm and uh <laughs> and sound, so that's kind of where it comes from, but it's actually nothing's planned. We don't rehearse most of the takes that you hear on any of our albums are all like first or second takes okay so, um, awesome. sometimes with very very minimal overdubs and no preconceived ideas or arrangements It kind of happens on the gigs or like at the recording session so yeah. it's very it's a very organic band
2: <laughs> where where does the where does the name western scutches come from
3: well uh my grandfather, the Nick Russo that I mentioned, uh-huh. who played with um, Red Nichols and Five Pennies and Spike Jones, he used to call my cousins Micah and Jacqueline and I scooches when we like would touch him or like for attention, in a loving way, like touch his shoulder so he would turn around or tickle him. We would tickle each other. I think it's an Italian word, but it also may come from Yiddish, too, mm-hmm. so maybe the cultures are similar, and I know the spellings are very different. We probably spell it incorrectly, <laughs> <laughs> so we spell it S-C-O-O-C-H-E-S-O-T, yeah. but it's cool. It's a fun thing, so it's kind of a fun name, and I just thought it would be perfect for um, the band. It was actually one of the first things I ever thought of. I didn't think about it much. And then Niku, or Nikuru may, uh, actually, I should have Patina tell the story
1: the story behind Nikuru itself is just that his his ex girlfriend used to call him Niku. I think she was Japanese. Okay. And um, and I and I enjoyed this the idea of Niku, so I started calling him Nikaru. And when we did a strawberry festival, he was like, "I hey, should be called Banjo Nikaru," <laughs> and we had a lot of fun. Calling yeah. Banjo Nikaru.
2: Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> So you marry that you marry the uh the banjo nikaru and the western scooches together and you, and you get this this uh eclectic uh variety of all kinds of unique sounds that uh, uh what's it like to sing in the, in in that environment
1: Oh my gosh it's wild I, I really love it because putting Nick and Miles and David together in the same room they just like they just have this energy that escalates and I'm, I'm like this uh, calm in the middle of the storm, although I love to dance. So I always end up uh, wild with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, awesome. Uh, and the whole, uh, Western Scootches was my idea, too, because I said he originally he was going to call the band Just Banjo-Nickeroo, and I was like, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be Just Banjo-Nickeroo, I have to be something different, right. and we came up with the idea of the Scootches from his grandfather, yeah. and I was like, yeah, yeah, I could be a Scooch, that sounds yeah. like fun.
2: Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I appreciate that story, that that's great.
1: Great. I'll put Nick back on. Okay.
2: So... The current album out for you guys is Very Next Thing. I think you said that that was out uh, just this past September. Is that the only one currently? Uh, is there another album before that, or is that the debut album for this, this ensemble?
3: Yeah, that's that's the debut album. And we, we've been blessed because we received a, a quote, a review um, from London Times, and No Depression and, and Rambles, and recently uh, San Diego Troubadour and New York Music Daily. So we're totally psyched we also got some quotes um, from musicians like Lindsay Horner that we printed on the back but we have not um, put on our website maybe it's on our website too so yeah it's been it's been such a great journey to um, have this album w- well received and it, it's fun it's, it's a lot of uh, I enjoy listening to it and love when I hear it I love the I can hear the process that it was a so organic
0: yeah things yeah. being
3: improvised actually as we were recording you know reminds me a little bit of um, George Lucas when he made Star Wars when he you may know when he met the sound effects person creating the sound effects for Darth Vader, Darth Vader's original character was supposed to be a sick person, a sick an astronaut, that he needed the suit. Right. No, sorry, 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 I messed it up. Originally, he was going to use the suit just to fly, and he would take it off when he landed, but he loved the George Lucas loved the sound of the effects so much, the breathing, yep. that he said, let's make this character sick, so he needs the suit all the time. And I love that, the fact that the mu- mu- movie plot was changed because something organically happened from his team, and that's what makes that Star Wars Episode Four, the first one out, so such a great movie. Yeah. I mean, if you're a fan,
2: sure, uh, uh, absolutely. <laughs>
3: you know, and, and then they use the same plot like for so many of the other sequels.
2: Yeah, that's cool, I, and uh, that's a great analogy. I, and I think you were telling me that you've gotten some um, uh, some accolades with this album as well as uh, from charting positions and things like that.
3: Yeah, we're so blessed that we uh, we got to be number five. Artist on International Folk Radio, International Folk Radio, number five artist for the month of September 2016, and then number six album the same month, and uh, number seven song, Freight Train, was number seven song. We had like a number 20. 20- 3 or 24 song. I think it may have been Giacomo as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're totally psyched. I mean, it was a lot of work because I had to mail obviously hundreds of CDs out. <laughs> but um, sure. the DJs played it, which was great. And we did a lot of interviews and we did a mini tour uh, last August, which we're going to plan again through Tennessee and North Carolina. Okay. And we got on, uh, we did Blue Plate Special and Knoxville and What's Up and Wets and we played uh, Acoustic Coffeehouse in Johnson City and... This year, we're going to see the solar eclipse, so we're going to hit the same tour in August, With some, hopefully hopefully make it to Nashville, and check out the solar eclipse all at the same time, which yeah. I recommend for the whole world to see.
2: Yeah, that's cool. What what um, what kind of audience do you find that your music fits with?
3: That's a great question. We have a sister group called Hot Jazz Jumpers.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so we have some people that really love when we play music from the 1920s and maybe some originals in that same vein. Bettina has a tune that got a lot of airplay on this album called uh, I Don't Believe in Love, which sounds like a 20s tune. Uh-huh. So we do the vintage train event every year in New York City, and okay. we get thousands of people to come out. So we get those fans of different age groups, which is nice. There's a lot of young people dancing. Actually, I'm also a sideman in like 18 different groups.
2: Awesome. So to speak. <laughs>
3: which is crazy. Um, yeah. but I put tenor banjo and guitar and um, gotten to play a lot at Lincoln Center because there's a huge interest in this music. Um, Wall Street Journal has done articles. I, I've been interviewed in Vanity Fair. So to answer your question, um, it came out of that Hot Jazz Jumpers, um, but when I was brought to Nerf as a sideman with a uh, violin player, singer, Efrat, I was really inspired. I got to play with Michael Ronstadt who's uh-huh. Linda Ronstadt's nephew, uh-huh. and Everyone was very supportive. Another musician named Mara Levine, a singer-songwriter who I played in her group, everyone was saying, hey, you should put your album out, but like to the folk world. So we borrowed some of those tracks, kind of remixed them, took out some of the Gullah Geechee craziness, the improvisation. You know, we still kept it true to its form, but um, made the songs a little shorter. In, in some respects, for the most part, we just added some originals. And so that was a nice springboard to come out with this album, very next thing. You know, Banjo Nickaroo and Western Skitch's very next thing. And so, yes, from my experience at Nerfa, it's, uh, and then um, we were blessed because I brought this band actually to Nerfa recently, 2016, and then we're doing a trio version with Patina, Dr. David Pleasant, and myself at Folk Alliance. We're going to be at Folk Alliance next month in Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're really psyched to do more of um, these folk conferences, and I'm going to try to apply for APAP and look at some of the other ones um, throughout the country and the world.
2: I think you were uh, telling me um, off air that uh, you guys got another uh, album now in the works on the way in, in 2017. Yeah, we really
3: psyched about it. Bettina just wrote so many songs. Some inspired, actually, about the, the election and about civil rights and just some great stories and podcasts that she's checked out um, on NPR and, and the New York Times. One, a very sad story about um, a woman in, I think, Ethiopia, just had some just crazy experience with uh, being kidnapped and, and raped and she wrote this song um, wow. tribute to her and just other things just uh, about social issues and um, we're also um, a side note we're also very mindful of the environment um, so in the past we've Done some like things for the environment in Green Day. So, mm-hmm. this album is, uh, I feel like it's a, it's a movement in a way. Actually, somebody coined the term and said that we were a movement on Instagram, which I thought was inspiring. Mm. We're not the only ones. There's a lot of, obviously, the whole world is really uh, at a time now that we're trying, the artists and musicians in the world are trying to speak their voices and then get sure. more involved. So, this album, we haven't sure of the title yet, but it may be called Which Country. So, it has a lot of songs about social change and political change, mm-hmm. uh, but, but also in a non Confrontational way. Bettina's lyrics are very, very, very brilliant and insightful, and without, you know, very positive. You know, like without point, pointing blame and not being specific to any political party. Right. So it's very non-political at the same time, just spreading like a positive message. But musically, we have sitar on it. Um, Neil Murgai plays sitar. Um, well, we have Harvey. Wirt. Harvey is an amazing drummer and percussionist um, and composer himself. Him and I worked in an African band together. I was a sideman. Okay. With Malika Zara, an amazing, amazing African artist uh, mm-hmm. from Morocco, so uh, playing in a Moroccan band, having playing with Harvey Worth and Brahim and all those members. Mama Duba, uh, also the bass player in that band, also is featured on um, oh, cool. on our album "Very Next Thing." Okay. as well as with the other African bass player from Nigeria, my old-time collaborator, collaborator, and colleague Essiet. Essiet. So mm-hmm. uh, it's a great melting pot. Um, yeah, you know, sounds I mean, like it. Oh, going back to the first album, "Very Next Thing." So, moving forward to answer your question, uh, which country is also going to offer some different eclectic, you know, melting pot of cultures? Sounds like it. But a, even, yeah. um, even more so in terms of the originals. Yeah. And, uh, musically, we have Sitar. We have Arhir Hara on one track playing organ, which is really, really hip. It almost sounds like the vibe of the meters. The yeah. New Orleans, Great New Orleans group. And then, you know, with Sitar, I'm also playing five string banjo a little bit, kind of in, in the Iraq. I On a side note, I studied with Samir Chatterjee. He was my okay. guru and. I have him on my first album, which is a completely different style, like kind of an original progressive jazz record with Mark Turner, Ari Honig and Matt Closey, a bunch of great New York City jazz musicians, including Samir Chatterjee and Miles Griffith and David Pleasant are both on that. So I have this Indian influence for many yeah,
0: years, yeah.
3: Um, and that'll be that'll show up on the new album, and just yeah, texturally and having fun with it. We just applied for. Uh, npr's tiny desk concert
2: yeah and awesome.
3: applying for different things for original music so yes it's it's, might be called witch country one of my favorite tunes that patina wrote is called soar um and i don't know i thought about that could be the title of the album but we're figuring
2: it out (laughs) that's cool so if uh if folks want to reach out they want to they want to get a copy of your cd they want to get in touch with you guys what's where are you guys what's the best way for people to get in touch
3: Yeah, so uh, I forgot to mention, too, we're based out of New York City, and our website is BanjoNickaroo.com, so it's just Banjo, B-A-N-J-O, and then N-I-C-K-A-R-U. We've had some bad luck with spelling, so it's Nickaroo, N-I-C-K-A-R-U. And then our Facebook is Banjo.Nickaroo, but if you Google it, it comes up pretty quickly. And our Instagram is also BanjoNickaroo, so we use BanjoNickaroo as a shorter name for people to find us. And, uh, yeah, we, we play a lot of gigs in New York City, but also traveling, and so...
2: And and the, the CD is, uh, is uh, very next thing, and, and that's available in all the all the common sources right now?
3: That's right. Yeah, we're on CD Baby and iTunes and Spotify, although, as you know, if people really want to support the artist, it's best to go right to our website or to any artist's sure. website, but CD Baby yeah. is cool, too. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. Good. Well, thanks, Nick. I appreciate it, man. Good talking to you guys today.
3: Oh, great. What a pleasure, and you've had some great questions, and... Uh, I can tell the years of experience doing interviews just by talking to you. So <laughs> well, I appreciate, appreciate it. Yeah, well, I wish yeah, you guys the best. Thanks so much, and I look forward to hearing it.
2: Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com.
4: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.